we're going to be reading and speaking about becoming or being children of light today. It says in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. And Liz taught us last week, and uh, a beautiful sermon, if you haven't, well, you weren't here to hear Liz's sermon, please go to the website, it should be up this week, and um, listen to the sermon that she shared. It was a timely sermon, and uh, you need to take that message on board as we go through um, Ephesians. He says, Liz taught us last week uh, that the world is attempting to deceive us into living empty lives, chasing nothing, and nothing but hollow pursuits. She talked about the empty words that somehow come into our lives. You know, um, there, there are familiar spirits that hang around churches, familiar spirits. They sound very much like you and me. They sound very much like um, your own mind talking to you. But they're familiar spirits. That's why they're familiar. They sound like they belong to us. But they hang around churches, and the, the purpose of them hanging around churches is to bring or to cut across your life in God, to bring you into a place where you are, are useless in God, are not able to achieve something in God, are not able to do what God wants you to do. They talk in your ear, they speak to you, they speak to your life, they tell you things that are not true, they tell you empty words, they tell you words that will, if you believe them, will take you away from God, not towards God. That's what he does. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I mean, my problem is not with Noel. My problem is with the empty words that are coming from a demonic thing that sometimes sits on my shoulder and talks into my ear. And sometimes I don't even recognize it's not me. It sounds like my voice. It's, if I close my eyes, it, 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 it links on to something in my past and it talks to me as though it's authoritative and says, Things like you can never, you will never, this is happening because of, and those things that it tells you are lies. And if you believe those familiar spirits, you will be taken out because that's what they're there for. The word of God is to bring us into the truth. The word of God is to bring truth and power into our lives. And the words that come from the devil, and they may be sown into your life from somebody else, or may be sown into your life, into your mind. They're like birds that fly under the tree, are there to take you out. And, and I, I, I'm just saying that because if you think of life, going through life, there's so much coming at you all the time. As you're a young person, you turn the TV on, you listen to the radio, you talk to your friends at school. It's continuous. There's continuous uh, flow of messages coming at you. And you're sifting those ideas, you're sifting those thoughts, you're sifting them with your mind. You look at them, you listen to them, and you sift them. And some of those stick. Maybe the person who said those things to you was important to you. So when they spoke, those words stuck. They hurt. But they're not God's words. They're a familiar spirit. It sits there, it says, you won't get rid of me because you know me. You won't deal with me like you should deal with me because I'm so close to you and I'm so familiar to you. You would just accept what I'm saying. And that demon will sit on your shoulder for the rest of your life if you let it. But you must not let it. You must speak the word of God to it and expect something different in life rather than the old patterns that are coming at you from the past. Amen? 
Seriously. You can end up living your whole life beneath what God has planned for you, or you can stand up and be what God wants you to be. Deal with the thing. Kick it off your shoulder. Tell it where to go. And start to take the word of God. The word of God is uh, our life. We can uh, walk full lives because of the resurrection Liz taught last, last week. And Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, when, we, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, we talked about contrast. Remember contrast? We had Pastor Jerome stand beside me and they said, Let's contrast, let's see the contrast. And we looked at some of the things that were different between Pastor Jerome and myself. And we said, That's the contrast. Well, in this verse, we have the contrast. You were light, or you were darkness, but now you are light. So there's a contrast. We used to be once darkness, but now we are light. That's what the statement is, which is true. It's true. God says we are light on the inside. You need to look at the person beside you and say, you are the light of God. Catherine, you are the light of God. Now, how difficult is that? I mean, as soon as you say that, something goes on in your head, doesn't it? And all the things that go on in your head is where maybe I don't think that they are the light or where I am uh, you know, looking at myself and thinking, I'm not really acting like the light all the time. You know? I'm, there's things in my life that are not light. You know? So this is a problem. So we have the contrast. We have the word of God, which is black and white. It says, you're light or you're darkness. That's it. That's what it says which is truth. And then we have another thing that we're looking at here is that it's the tense. You were once, which is what? Tense. Past tense. But now you are, which is what? Present tense. And so who's the one who lives in the present tense? Jesus says, I am. God says, I am. The name for God is I am that I am. He lives in the present tense. So in the present tense, he's saying you are now, right now, you are light. Not darkness, you are light. Oh, that's okay when we're sitting in church. We can all pretend to be light, can't we? But that's the problem. You think that in church you can pretend to be light. When it's, you are light. It's not a case of trying to put light on in church and do the right thing when you're in church and then when you go away. The, the fact of the matter is God views you as light. It's not that you are trying to be light. You are light. I am not trying to be light. I am light. Say that with me. I'm not trying to be light. I am light. That's the, that's the truth. I am not trying to be light. I am light. That's the truth. That's what God's word has said to us. You were once darkness, but now you are light. I am light. Shirley, you are light. No matter where you go, you are light. You see, the devil talks into our ear and says, you're getting to become light. You're not quite light yet. You are getting to become light. You know, you have to do a little bit more to achieve a better standard before you can be light. So he starts to talk in you, and so you start to live under this condemnation that you are where you shouldn't live. You are light. You are light. Man, you want to stand up now. Everybody stand up. Shake yourself. I mean, seriously, shake yourself. No, you've got think about this. No, no look, 
if you could shake a thought out your ears, you've got to shake. You were once darkness, but you are now light. What comes with light? Everything comes with the light. Growth comes with light. Revelation comes with light. Illumination comes with light. Everything that you need comes with the light. And you are light. Let me sit down now. So just as Jesus was, so are we. Let me try and get you to lift yourself out of the chicken scratching position and get back onto the wings of an eagle. I mean, the chickens scratch around and look at grubs and scratch the dirt and pick out a grub. An eagle sits on top of a cliff and he's got his wings expanded and he can see from his position the whole area around him and he can just take one foot like that and the, the wind will pick him up and he doesn't even flap his wings. He's soaring. We get around and scratch like a chicken. We don't think we can fly. We've got a busted wing. Listen, Jesus came and he incarnated God here so he came and god wrapped himself in flesh so we have god in flesh jesus is god incarnated everybody say the word incarnated do you understand what that word means no it means wrapped in flesh wrapped in flesh so jesus god's spirit came down and then he wrapped himself in a body and he clothed himself with Jesus. And when he stood there, you saw a man, but that man was light. He was God in the flesh. And this calls us to incarnated living. What does that mean? Well, when I go out in the world, and when I go out in it, I am not walking as Mark, I am walking as Jesus in the flesh. I'm wrapping my body around Jesus and letting Jesus live out of me. So in, I don't look at things like, this is Mark choosing and doing his things. No, this is Jesus in Mark choosing doing what Jesus wants to do. Understand that? I'm going to live an incarnated life. I'm going to have God on the inside. My body is going to be Control, uh, uh, wrapped around him, but God is the one who's inside of me shining out of my life. I'm going to incarnate Jesus. I'm not going to become God. I'm going to become like Jesus in my life. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 tells us that Jesus shone the brightness of God's glory. Let's have a read of this. It says, God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, the, the writer of the Hebrews says, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the world. So he's saying, the writer of the Hebrews saying that in these last days, Jesus came and he was the word of God. He was God communication to him. And then he says in verse 3, he says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So we have Jesus being the brightness of God's glory, the express image. So Jesus was God, the exact representation of God. He was the glory of God in the flesh. He came, he was God in the flesh, and whatever he did, we saw God doing in the flesh. He said to Philip, he says, uh, Philip says, show us the Father, and he says, uh, 
Have I been with you so long that you don't recognize me? Because he was there with Philip all the time. Everything that Jesus did was God in the flesh. He said, And upholding all things by the word of his power, and he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we have Jesus shining God. The scripture says in First John, I mean in John 1 verses 4 to 9, it says, In him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overpower it. Jesus was the embodiment of light. Whatever he did, he was shining light. Then John says, and there was a man, he wrote about himself, he says, there was a, wrote about John the Baptist, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him it might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which was coming into the world, which gives light to every man. And so in a sense, we're bearing witness of the light. We're light bearers, if you like. Now, this, this whole idea of being a light bearer was God's in, intention through Christ. He intended that we would be clothed with light, that light would be coming out of us, that we would be an illumination to a dark world. In Matthew chapter 5, and we've heard this before uh, this morning, it's been quoted, I think, uh, 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 Kathy, you prayed these words. You, you said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the, but if the salt loses its flavor, how is salt to be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And then he says, Jesus says these words, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is the purpose of God, that we incarnate the light, that we be the light in the world. Jesus came, he was the light of the world, and then he turns to us and says, you are the light of the world. So this ministry of Christ, the illumination of God in his life and through his life, now he hands on to us and says, we must now become the light. And we're told by the writer Paul in Ephesians that you are light. You were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. So the second Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18 and to, to 4 verse 1, this ministry of shining light is what Paul talks about here and talks about reflecting the glory. He says, but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and be, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And he talks about Moses when he went up onto the top of the mountain, just in the verses previously, he saw the glory of the God, and, and he came down from the mountain, and his face was shining. And the, the children of Israel are looking at him, and he says, what's wrong with your face? It's glowing, it's shining, the light's coming out of your face. And so he put a veil over his face so that they wouldn't freak out. Because he was shining. He was just shining the light of God out of his face. Put a veil over it. And the veil still remains, he says, over the children of Israel. He says, but you. He says, when you believe in Jesus, the veil is lifted. He says, and you reflect the glory of God. The outshining of God. It just starts coming in from glory to glory. It's going for brighter and brighter. He says, he says in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? 
It's the ministry that each one of us has to the reflection of God's glory. Now, we all think about ministry as being something that you have to have a special gifting for. You know, Darren has the ministry of beating the drums. Renee has the ministry of singing. Ray has the ministry of strumming or plucking the bass. We all have different ministries. And, and some of you think, well, I, don't really, I can't sing. I can't beat the drums. I can't uh, pluck the bass. I don't have a ministry. Well, you do have a ministry. And here you are told that your ministry is to reflect. So Jesus was the son of God. If you like, he's like the sun in the sky. He's shining out the radiance of God. We are like the moon. It's a reflected light. What comes? The sun shines onto the moon and the moon reflects it. So the brighter the, the moon looks, it just tells you that the sun is shining on the surface of the moon. There's nothing. The moon generates nothing of its own light. It only generates what is shone onto it. We all, like that moon, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and then it shines out from us. That's our light. That's our light. That's the incarnated part that we live. We, we, we walk through life and our, our job is to shine Jesus. To illuminate those around us with the light of God. To have coming out of us and reflecting out of our lives all the glory of God. The word glory is the word doxa. And it means, at its root word, it means opinion which is an interesting idea from the outshining. How can something that is shining out or glowing or shining be called opinion? Well, at the core of God is the word of God, and that's God's opinion of what things are. So when we look at things that are in the world that are bad and they're terrible and, and we, we say, this is shocking. This is a terrible thing that's happening. And we, we had a murder take place of a, a woman in Woodridge just this week. What a shocking thing. Absolutely shocking thing. And, and you know, what shines out of us now? What are we going to do about that? You know, this is, you know, we, we can say the wall fell on these people and, the, oh, isn't it terrible, you know? Everybody's lost, you know. The woman who got killed, you know, we don't know who she was, but if she died without Jesus, she's lost. Even though people are still alive today, it doesn't mean that they're not lost. This whole idea of death and finality and, and, and injustice, and it's around us everywhere. And God is calling us to be a light. God is calling us to do something about those things, to be a light in the dark places. So when we see those things, out of our lives should come this, We've got to do more. We've got to shine more. We've got to shine brightly. It's really important for us to speak the word. I mean, she walks through the station at Woodridge. We stand at the station at Woodridge and we preach the light at Woodridge Station. We said last night and we were preaching there last night. And I called, Well, I wasn't, but the girls were, and some of the guys were preaching there last night. And a whole lot of other kids coming through out on the first night out, leaving church, leaving their, their, their Christian faith to get drunk for their first time, one girl said, this is, I, I've, I've never done this before. This is my first time out. This is the first time I've been drinking. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. A Christian with a familiar spirit sitting on his shoulder. Forgetting that she was once darkness, now she is light. Being deceived, 
being led astray. We have a choice, you know, to stand up in the darkness and say, Be light. We are light. So we're called to be light. We have this ministry of being light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so this whole behavior that we should have is this walk or behavior of being a child of light. Now he says in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You know, we live in such a messy world that half the time it's like a mirror. You know, our lives are like a mirror. If I were to take my hand and heat it up and uh, put some grime on it and I put my hand on the mirror here and I, like that, what do we have? A messy, dirty mirror. You know, uh, if I were to do that and I had cheese on my hand or um, food that I'd been eating on my hand and I just keep on doing it, how much is that mirror going to work in a little while? Is the mirror still a mirror? Yes, it's still a mirror. Does it still have the properties of a mirror? Yes, it still has the properties of a mirror. But can it reflect the light? No, why not? Because it's dirty, it's grubby, it's got messed up, it's taken on, stuff is sticking to it, stuff is sticking to it all the time. We are light, why aren't we shining brightly? Is it because we're not light? No, stuff is sticking to us. Where does the stuff that sticks to us come from? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, where does it come from? Everything that the devil starts throwing at you starts to stick on you to stop you from shining. Ah, you still light, but you're just not shining brightly. You know why? Because you've got the devil's handprints all over you. The, the familiar spirits put his fingerprints all over you to stop you from shining. Just like this mess in the corner of that window. You can see it there now. It's annoying some of you. It's annoying my wife. She's looking at it and she's saying, and she's not looking here. She's not awake. <laughs> Those who are clean freaks, that's starting to annoy you now, isn't it? <laughs> that's our lives like that, you know? Grubby hand marks all over our lives. That's why we're not shining. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The, the prophet Isaiah was actually speaking to the children of Israel, talking them about Jesus coming. But in a sense, it talks to the church as well. We are the ones who are the vessels of the light of God. And we are to rise up. I mean, this whole idea of being a light is not something with, oh, he says, sweet, we are a light. It's something to rise up about. It's something to get up about. It's something to stand up about. It's something to go out with. It's something to recognize that our lives are different now because we once were darkness and now we are light. We're heading out in a different direction. So I want to have a look at this and, 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 and ask ourselves the question, well, what is it that I have to do to make sure that I can be a bright light every day? He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then he tells us, for the fruit of the light, or the fruit of the Spirit, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, in some of your Bibles, it will actually read the fruit of the Spirit, and in other Bibles, it will read the fruit of the light, which tells me that they can use that word interchangeably, like it's either the Spirit or light. In the context, he's talking about light, 
and he's saying, so the fruit of the light is, which is the fruit of the Spirit, he says, it's all goodness and all goodness and in righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And sometimes we read words like that and we say, now, that's lovely. But what does that mean? So we're going to let the word of God cut us today to find out exactly what that means for us on a daily, on a daily basis. For the fruit of the Spirit, the light, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. First he says goodness. Now goodness is in the Greek means uprightness of heart and life. This starts on the inside of us. Light is internal. It starts on the inside. It's not something you wrap around. It's something that comes from inside and comes out. It starts with the light on the inside. The work of God always starts on the inside. So this Christianity is not something that you do on Sunday when you come to church. It's not something that you put your coat on and say, well, I'm going to come to church now. And you put your coat on and you come to church or you take your coat off when you get here. No, Christianity has nothing to do with the clothes you wear, has nothing to do with what you're doing. It has everything to do with what's on the inside of you. What's on the inside of you. So get away from this superficial lifestyle. Get away from this idea that you can, you know, you can ham it out there. This starts inside of you. Right in here. Put your hand on your chest. Whatever God is going to do will start at the beginning in your heart. And if it doesn't start there, it's not real. It's got nothing. It starts there on the inside of you. So goodness starts on the inside. Now, how does goodness start on the inside? It's the work of God that starts on the inside. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13 tells you this. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to work and to will for his good pleasure. So it starts on the inside. So this is not about conforming. This is not about conforming to what mum and dad thinks. This is not about aping what mum and dad do. This is about having your own personal relationship with Jesus. Eli, it's about hearing God speak to you in your heart and you hearing him work you and working with you inside. It's about the center of your mind. It's about the center of your heart having a relationship with a mystical God who's come to live within you. It's about you sitting there in the morning time as soon as you wake up and interfacing with God who is within you. Everything inside of you is premised about his spirit being there. You received the spirit of Jesus. If you are light, the spirit of Jesus has come to live inside of you. So he's there inside of you. So the time that you wake up in the morning, God begins to, to work. Now, what happens in the morning, first thing in the morning? What happens in our lives? Tell me some things that happen first thing in the morning, Claudia. What's the first thing that comes across your mind? You don't want to get up. That's the first thing. We find reluctance in our lives. Immediately we find things that we want to do, and things that we don't want to do. 
That's the life. We find choices that present themselves to us immediately on the time when we wake up in the morning. Choices. Choices that present themselves to us. Now, with those choices, we have to make decisions. Now, if Claudia decided that she, I don't want to get up, it's cold outside, I want to stay in bed, and she decided to stay in bed, that would have been a wrong choice, you know, because then external forces would come along and try and tell her to do something that she internally didn't want to do. But at the core of her, this this choice on the inside that God begins to work with her and he says, okay, you better get up. You know, you've got things to do. So he begins to talk to her to stir up. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get up? Graham's going to praise God. He's going to open his eyes and say, praise God another day. A new day in God. What will you do? What will you get up? What were you going to do? Will you praise God? Will you rub your eyes? Will you get around? Will you hear the kids? And Jenny, we have the grandchildren come and they come over and they're sitting there, you know, in the morning, go and get Johnny. Okay, so I've got to get Johnny. No time to praise the Lord. It's like, go and pick up Johnny. There's stuff that's got to be done. Stuff that's got to be done. You know, who's going to make the porridge this morning? You know, who's going to clean the dishes this morning? Are the, are the lunches made this morning? Who's got the lunches? Uh, did you put your shoes in? Have you put your, where are my socks? You know, did you put them in the washing machine yesterday? Have you washed your uniform? Uh, this is mundane life. This is stuff. Now, where's God when all this stuff is going on? He's there. He's right, he's right there in the middle of it. And if he's right there in the middle of it, he hasn't gone away and you're still making choices. The stuff around you, the university courses that Esther is doing, the children that need to be fed, the clothes that need to be placed on them, all that stuff is still happening around. But where does God reside? He is not going anywhere. He's still on the inside and he's still working with you on the inside for you to be light. He starts there, it starts there, goodness starts there. It starts there and it starts to determine the choices that you make on the morning when you wake. Like if you decide to wake up grumpy because you don't want to and you get an attitude of grumpiness and so James comes and says, you know, something to you across the... And you say, get out of my room, James. Who said you could come into my room? You know I mean, that's a choice. You know, here's a choice. The goodness wants to come out. What have we got? We've got dirty fingerprints all over the glass. We don't see the goodness there, do we? We see an attitude coming out. doesn't mean she's not good. It means that an attitude came out rather than the goodness. So Jesus then starts working with her. It makes her feel like, you know, there should be no change. And she, I'm sorry, James. Can I do your washing for and ironing for you this week? God works inside of us. Without that, you're pretending. If you don't have that, you're pretending. If you don't have God on the inside working to will for his good pleasure and you working that out in your life, confronting the bad choices and doing the right choices, if you don't have that, you are pretending. Because you're, you're just here, there's nothing going on on the inside and what you're doing is you're changing the furniture on the outside so we think that there's something going on on the inside. This is raw stuff. Look, you've got to understand if, you want, if you're going to be light, if you are light, it starts with God on the inside and your choices that you're making on a daily basis from yelling at your brother or sister, calling their names, or responding to your parents in a correct fashion, 
or speaking to your children in a way that is civil, to doing the honest day's work or throwing yourself into the, the schooling that you should be doing. All of that is dependent on the light on the inside. And the way you live that out is the goodness that shines out. It says, the, the lamp of the body is the eye, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. It says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will full, be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, if, when he says the lamp of the body is the eye, he says, that's your perception of something. The eye as in you perceiving or you seeing something. So if you see what I'm saying to you today and you're aware of what I'm saying to you today and you hold that and it's a, your whole body will be full of light. You know, it's like I can see that God wants me to live. Every, every decision I make, he wants me to make right choices so that his light and goodness can come out of it. So it's my job to work with the Holy Spirit to get those right choices coming out of my life, to make the right responses in those lives. It's my choice to do that. So I can see that. Your whole body will be full of light. Jesus will just shine inside of you and the Holy Spirit will work with you and he'll begin to say, well, no, we've got, we're in a work in motion here now. Let's get this attitude fixed up. Let's get this attitude fixed up. Let's deal with that now. And, you know, how long does this changing go on? Forever until we die. And even when we get to heaven, he's probably, we're being renewed even more when we get to heaven. So it's like it's a continuous thing. It goes on and on and on. He says, but if he says you think you're right, and he says, and your eye is dark, you say, I got it all measured, you know, I got it all stuff, uh, you know, you know, I got this thing down, cool, Pat. I know exactly what Mark wants to see, or what Liz wants to see, or what I need to show, you know, when I get here. If I if I do the right thing, walk the right walk, talk the right talk, and just pretend, I got it all. I don't need to do this, you know, personal stuff, you know. I got it all hidden, you know. He says, if your eye is dark and you don't see what I'm telling you. He says, how, he says, your body is going to be full of darkness. You live a charade. You know, you live a, 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 a face, a mask, and inside it's dark. So he, he tells us what the darkness looks like in Matthew chapter 23. He said, this is what the Pharisees were like. He says, woe to you teachers of the... These were the guys who were running the churches. These were the guys who were the religious leaders of the day. He says, unless your righteousness or your goodness surpasses that of the scribes and some Pharisees, you'll in no way get into heaven. So here we have, these were religious leaders of the day. He's saying to them, woe to you, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup of the dish and inside you're full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup in the dish and then you'll, the outside will be clean. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like the whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of bones of a dead and everywhere is unclean. everything is unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people to be righteous but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, I want to take this to you and, and, and ask you the question that you don't have to answer. Just look in your head. And ask yourself the question, what is the tenor? What is the style of the stuff that you are thinking? What is going on in your head on a daily basis? 
What's happening on the inside on a day? Do you spend a lot of time with empty words? Do you spend a lot of time with empty ambition? Do you spend a lot of time dealing and thinking about things that are futile and empty, that don't mean anything in terms of God, and then you just slot God in there half an hour before you go, half an hour, ten minutes before you go to sleep, read something and then just drop into sleep? Is that it? What's on the inside? You know, you put the dress on the outside. Everybody's looking. You come to church, you're fancy. You know, look at that fancy thing there. But on the inside, on the inside, is it dead men's bones in there? Is it light and God working with you to produce goodness? You being with God saying, God, help me to change. Lord, help me to work out this thing in my life. Help me not to be bound up by things. Or is you just accepting that the chains on the inside, no one can see and that's okay. They can stay there. The chains can be there on the inside. It doesn't matter. No one can see those chains. Those habits that no one sees you do. It's okay. It's okay. No one needs to know I do that stuff. That way of thinking, it's okay. It's okay. You know, they're just thoughts. I'm not doing anything. On the outside, I'm clean. You can't pin anything on me. But on the inside, it's dark. You know, we want to shine the light. Where the light doesn't start on the outside and soak inside. It starts on the inside and pushes out. That's the one thing we've got to, you know, look at your thinking. Look at what's going on in your mind. Look at what you want, the desires of your heart. Look at the things that you're... You know, you're flicking through that magazine and you, whoa, look at that style and fashion. Looking through house magazines and looking at houses. Looking through new car magazines. What is your goal in life? What is your ambition in life? What is the thing that you're really going for in life? What is it that you're burning up inside for? Is it the light and God working it out or is it something else? Because you can coat it on the outside. If it's not light on the inside, if God is not at work on the inside, working to will for his good pleasure, and you're not bringing that light out, then you're pretending. You say, I am light, but there's no light inside because you haven't ever got God inside yet to bring the light out. See, when he says you are light, you don't have to pretend to be light. You are light. It's on the inside. It starts, goodness starts on the inside. And it challenges the bad when you do it. It challenges your wrong thoughts. It challenges the wrong ideas. It challenges the wrong assumptions. It challenges all the things that set themselves up that try to take you out. It challenges the handprints of the familiar spirit. It challenges the words that come into your ear that the devil's speaking. It challenges them because the light is on the inside. That's where it starts. So to be light, you have to have the light on the inside. He says, for the fruit of light of the spirit, the light is all goodness, which starts on the inside, uprightness of heart and life. And it's righteousness in right relationship to God, pleasing and acceptable to him. Now, righteousness in right relationship to God, pleasing and acceptable to him. It says the children of the light reflect God from the inside out. It starts with God's work on the inside and it's carried out with your cooperation. We used to think that when I was younger, I think, you know, some of this stuff that I'm sort of caught up with now, I will grow up and won't do it when I get older. 
I only do this now because I am immature. But when I grow up and I'm mature, I won't do that anymore. And so we allow ourselves the privilege to do the immature thing because we think when we grow up, we will stop doing the immature thing and we'll be mature. Did you know that you never grow up? You choose to make different decisions as you're growing up. You become aware of your responsibilities as you're growing up. And you see the foolishness of immaturity. And you make different choices. It says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you've got to cooperate with the Spirit of God if the light is going to shine. So God's on the inside and he's working with you to work into will for his good pleasure. He wants to do something inside of you. He's bringing out that sense inside of the right and the wrong. So he's, the right is on the inside and he's challenging the wrong when you do it. Then he says, you've got to cooperate with me now in this. And that's where we run into a wall there, right there. We say, I know the thing that I should be doing, but I don't do the thing that I should be doing. I do the thing that I shouldn't be doing. And we think that that's okay. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, the thing that I should do is the thing that I don't do, and the thing that I shouldn't do, that's the thing that I do. Oh, woe is me, oh man that I am, oh wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body? I'm chained to a dead man, you know. I'm chained to this person who's doing the wrong thing. I know the right thing. I got the light on the inside. I got the light on the I know the right thing I'm, I should be doing. But you know what I do? I do the wrong thing. You know what the problem is? No cooperation with the spirit of Jesus. Within, or conscience, you know. How important is conscience, Anella? It's pretty important, isn't it? Well, what is conscience too? Conscience actually tells you when something is right and something is wrong. Conscience is like God's light inside of us. When it's clean, the Bible says that our conscience is cleansed from dead works to serve a living God. That God takes away the dirt that's on our conscience. He cleans the mirror so that we can see what is right. A clean conscience we get when Jesus comes into our heart. And then that conscience starts to speak to us. Just because the conscience speaks to you doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing, does it? What conscience speaking to you does, it says there's a voice inside that says you're doing the wrong thing. What we have to do is cooperate with the, the, the conscience. We have to cooperate with the Spirit of God. And to cooperate, which means someone has to die here. Who's in control here? Who is in control here? Is it... Uh, is it uh, Ray that's in control here or is it the spirit of Jesus that's in control? Because his conscience just registered something and he's got a choice to make now. Should he do or should he do? What should he do? Now there's a point of cooperation that's got to take place. If we are light, then there's no problem. The decision has already been made. The choice is simple. You reflect Jesus. You do what Jesus would do. You choose the light. What does, that, what does that mean about me? That means that I can't live while Jesus is living in me. You've got to choose one or the other. Who's going to be your master now? My thoughts, my ideas, my rationale? Or is it going to be Jesus who's going to be my master? I've got to choose to let Jesus be my master. So I've got to cooperate with him. So this verse in, in Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You Put it up on the altar there. You, you're going to get burned here. You know, something's got to die here. 
You can't keep living your life and have Jesus' life inside of you. You just can't. You can't do that. You cannot have my way and have Jesus' way. You can't have two choices inside of you. You only can have one. If you want a light, if you are light, you have one choice, and that choice is only God's choice. That's it. There are no other choices. That becomes really difficult because it's like you're going to chain me down to an altar and burn me now. I'm going to put you down. Man, this is the altar. I bring the, the sheep onto the altar and I, I put the lamb on the altar. I've tied it all up there. It's got the lamb if it was a sacrifice on the altar. You know, the lamb is kicking around there. Doesn't want to stay there too long. What's going to happen to the lamb? What am I going to do to it? If I was a Jew, what would I do to the lamb? I'm going to kill it. I cut its throat. It's going to squirt its lifeblood out and then it's going to lay there dead. Oh, that would be great. But Jesus says, living sacrifices. That's even worse because once it's dead, it's dead. It's not going to jump around, is it? This is going to go and the flames are going to come up and guess what? It's not going to feel real nice. You know, life is like that. You know, you don't want to follow Jesus through that situation because if you follow Jesus through that situation, that may cause you some pain. You don't want to make those sort of Jesus as you're following Jesus. That may burn you a little bit if you do that. You know, and we, we choose the things that we want to do and we choose the things that we don't want to do. We'll follow Jesus as long as the path is where Jesus, I want Jesus to take me. As soon as Jesus asks me to go into a different path and it confronts my will and what I want, I don't think I'll go there. I've got this. He says, present yourself as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. And do not conform to this world, the presence of this world. Be conformed to God's way, transformed by the renewal of your mind. So it's a simple thing, you know. This is, okay, it starts on the inside, God's presence on the inside. He's shining the light in there. He's working inside of me. He's confronting me. So I have a turmoil taking place on the inside. And then I have to make choices now. For that light to shine out, I've got to have the righteousness got to come out of me now. I've got to be in a right relationship with God. I've got to live acceptably before, to live acceptably before God. I've got to agree with him and do as he wants me to do. So in my practical life, I'm going to get confronted with things that I don't want to do. And in my practical life, I'm going to know what's right and know what's wrong. And in my practical life, I'm going to make a choice that says, Mark, you stop doing the wrong thing and you begin doing what Jesus wants you to do. And inside of me, those choices will be made because I am light. I'm light. If I don't make those choices, then I deny the light and I'm putting a cloak on the outside. When Noel sees me, he'll see the cloak. He'll think that I'm light. But really, inside... I don't know about you, but that's scary as anything. Do you know, you can sit here and look at me and I wouldn't know. You know, but I don't. You can pretend here. But if God were to stand here right now and look at you with his holy eyes and burn straight into you, if you were to being brought from here to stand in the presence of God and he would look down with his eyes and pierce into the core of you, he will find you. He will find where you are.
he will find what's in your heart. The wonderful thing is, you know, God wants to be there inside of you. He wants to shine out of you continuously. But you can't do this just pretending. It has to be real. It has to start inside and it has to be part of that honest, sincere relationship by which you are saying, I am just going to walk with God. I can't do that. I can't do that for Misha. I would love to do that for Misha. Say, well, major, one over there and there. She's She's got to wake up in the morning and she's got to say, I have business to do with God. I have business to do with God. When she gets in the shower and she starts to do her hair and she's thinking about the work that she's going to go, she's got to be thinking, I have business to do with God. And God's got to be talking to her. Misha, I have stuff to do with you. I want to talk about this to you. Every one of us has to do business with God if we are to grow, if we are to be that light. It says, for the fruit of the light or the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. So goodness is the uprightness of heart, having God on the inside, working in more. Righteousness is the right relationship that is pleasing to God, that's making the right choices and doing the right thing even though it hurts you. And it says it's truth. It's free from falsehood and deceit. Now the word truth is big. I mean, if you go there and look at the meaning of the word truth and it's like it, it, it comes from the whole of God's counsel to everything that is right. Uh, but I've chosen just these two words because I think this is the core where it hits us. Uh, it hits us with regard to falsehood and deceit. Free from falsehood and deceit. Truth is free from falsehood and deceit. There's lots and lots of self-deception out there. There's lots and lots of stuff that we tell us. The, 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 the familiar spirit sits on our shoulders and talks to us and tells us lies all the time. We can accept those lies or not. If we accept them, we are deceiving ourselves. If we decide not to do what God says, we're deceiving ourselves. The Bible says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So if you hear what I say, but you don't do anything about this, you don't actually live this out, then you are actually in the process of deceiving yourself. So truth on the inside is what it's about. And that's exactly what God is looking for. The children of light reflect God from the inside out. It starts the work with God on the inside. It's carried on with our cooperation. It's driven by the truth of God on the inside. It's like to be honest with God. You know, in Psalm 51 verse 6, then what was Psalm 51? Who, when, who wrote Psalm 51? David. And when did he write Psalm 51? After he was repentant with Bathsheba. You know, what, what, what had he done? Well, everybody was out in the war and he's looking over the top and he's seeing this sexy babe sitting there having a bath down there. He's, he's, he should have been out fighting and he's looking over and he sees Bathsheba having a wash. He says, fine thing. Bring her up here. Hello there. And so he decides to get to know the woman and she becomes pregnant to him. And so he decides, well, he can't have that. That's a no, because this is another man's wife. He's committed adultery. And so um, call the man, come back. So he's come back from this Uriah. Comes back from the front line. He's been fighting in the front line. He says, welcome home. Now he's deceitful. He's trying to cover. Here we have David, the light of God, the love of God, trying to cover his tracks because he's done the wrong thing. 
You're right. Come on back home. You know, go and spend the night with your wife. Well, Uriah is a noble man. He's, a, he's an honest man. He's, he says, I will sleep in the street. I will not enjoy the pleasures of my wife while my brothers are out there on the field dying. He says, so I'll sleep in the street until I can go back. I'm not going to go home and taste my... Ah, you see, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Because he can't cover his sin. David's trying to hide it. He's trying to act deceitfully. He's trying to put falsehood down there. He's trying to cover it up. Oh. Okay, Joab, take your eye back. Put him in the front line so he gets killed. Oh, now, now adultery is now turned to murder because he wanted to cover it. He says, when he's on the front line, draw back so he's left to himself and they'll gather around him and they'll run him through. That's what Joab did, put him at the front. They all drew back. Joab, an innocent man, now gets killed because a man is not being honest. Hacked down. He's dead. So now Bathsheba... It's free. So David's going to marry Bathsheba. Oh, but there was a prophet in the land. His name was Nathan. And he comes in and he says, you know what? You're not being honest. He comes down and he says, you know, he says, there's a man, he said he had so many sheep in his field. He says, and he's, you know, he saw this man who only had one little lamb. He said, and rather than go and take from his many sheep and eat the field, he went to this man and he took this one man's little lamb and he used that for lamb chops on the barbecue. And David says, well, that's disgusting. We've got to get something. This man shall die. And then Nathan looks at him and says, you are this man. And then exposes him. So David is now brought to recognition that he cannot hide from God, that he has to be honest. What do we do in our law courts? Well, we go and he says, you've been, uh, you've, been, you've been robbing houses around this area, have you? So, okay, uh, you come up before the courts, we've arrested you because you've been robbing the house. Oh, I'm innocent. Oh, we got your fingerprints and everything. No, I'm innocent. So they plead, and what happens? They've got to go through the whole process of law to prove, to show that they're guilty. I'm innocent, not me. So the woman who's killed her husband, and you've seen it in the news, and she shot him in the head, and sordid thing that's been over the U- U- U.S. papers. And now they can't decide. She was in, I, I didn't do it, didn't do it. And now after all the stuff has come out, she did it. And she says, I can't believe that I could do such a thing. Friends, listen to me. There's, a, there's one core element the same here with David. and with every, It's just not being honest. You're not being honest. Somewhere in our lives we've got to stop and we've got to start being honest with God and honest with ourselves. We've got to stop the deceit and stop the lies. David says in Psalm 51, he says, Behold, you desire truth on the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. What he's saying is that you, know, you are getting to the core of us on the inside of us. You want us to have truth on the inside. That's, that's the issue. God wants us to have truth on the inside. You want John 8 verse 44 says, You belong to your father, the devil, who, who wants to carry out your father's desires. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's telling them about their dishonesty. He says, He was the murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Nor, for there is no truth in him. When he, he lies, he speaks his native language, 
for he is a liar and the father of lies. Of course, if you're lying, you're talking the language of the devil. So once you start beginning the process of telling lies, once you start beginning the process of deceit, once you start beginning the process of not owning up, not, once you start beginning the process of, of covering up, you are starting to talk a language that is not your language. It's the language of the devil. So deceit and deception is the language of Satan. God says, if you want to be light, you have to have the light on the inside. God is working on the inside of you. It has to be reflected out of your life so that it's done in righteousness, so you are cooperating with the Spirit of God. And then on on the inside, truth has to take its reign. Truth. The truth. In Africa, they had truth-telling. And it means amnesty. You, you could, if you've done any crimes, the point is we want to know what the crimes are. If you tell us the truth, well, you're free. Remember that? So in South Africa, when they, when they brought the apartheid down and they said, let's, let's get to some of the bottom of these massacres. We want to know what happened. We want to know what happened. We just tell us the truth. Too many people tell us. So they had this amnesty. If you tell the truth, you won't get in trouble. Oh, would that be good in our homes for children to tell the truth and not get into trouble? You know why children tell lies? Because they think by telling lies, they're not going to get into trouble. Maybe we should change it. If you tell the truth, you won't get into trouble. We'll deal with the situation. But if you tell lies, then you'll get into trouble. So if you tell the truth, you will not get into trouble. But if you tell lies, you'll get into trouble. They had truth-telling. So they'd stand up, this is what happened. They'd tell the truth about the situation. Then people would be able to grieve and people would know what went on. The lies would stop. Truth-telling. Truth on the inward parts. You need to stop the rubbish, the lies and the deceit, and start to begin to speak truth to yourself and to God. Once you start doing that, then the light can shine. You are light. Jesus has done a wonderful thing to make you light. You were once darkness, but now you are light. So what's messing up the glass for you? What is it? You're not cooperating with the Spirit of God on the inside? God is working and trying, but you're not working it out? You're not making the right decisions to work it out? Or you're not being honest? You keep on covering it. You keep on showing it. You're saying, oh, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. When you do have a problem. Think, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. When you're not okay. I don't need help. I don't need help. When you do need help. You keep on covering and keep on covering and keep on covering rather than exposing it to the light and letting Jesus deal with it. What stops you from shining? What will stop you from shining this week? It's goodness, righteousness, and truth, are they all part of you? Are you developing a walk with God whereby he wakes you up in the morning and talks to you and says, this is what I want you to do today? Are you developing a righteousness that says, I don't care what it kind of costs me, I'm just going to do what you want me to do, I'm going to live it out? Are you, are you developing an honesty before God and say, God, if you, I'm being honest with you now, you want me to deal with the situation, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't been doing this, I'm, I confess my fault before you, I recognize that's the problem, and I move on in God. You know, the word says that he wants us to, to please God in all respects, and, and God wants us to do that. We want to be a shining bright light in this world, amen? 
There's so much corruption, so much darkness, so much death, so much disgusting things out there. And you know, we are Jesus to this world. Jesus is not coming back. Jesus is not coming back to change anything. He's coming back to take us home. Jesus is already here in us to make the changes. You can make changes. You can make changes in your own life, which make changes in the world. And that's your choice. You can be the light. Walk as children of light. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? You know, one of the things that I'm just, I, I, I see over and over and over again in my own life is the fact that the devil comes and puts dirty hand marks on the glass continuously. It's like it never stops. And sometimes I get really, really frustrated about that. I think I just want to live bright and shine bright. But all these dirty hand marks on the glass, well, you know, just obliterating. You know, every, every, it just stops me. And I just, your confidence to move forward stops when all this stuff is happening around you. You are not any different to me in any regard. I'm not special and you're not special either. We're all average. And one of the things that is common for us all is we're all busted. So one of the things that we need to do, honestly do before each other, is just give ourselves to God and say, God, you know, we try to do this, but we keep on failing to do this. What we want you to do is to help us to be everything you want us to be. And let's be honest about this on a daily basis. Be honest before God. God, help me today. And at the end of the day, if you fail, God, God, I'm sorry I failed. And just keep it clean. Keep cleaning the mirror. Keep cleaning the mirror so you keep shining the bright light coming out. You know, the devil wants you to stop cleaning the mirror. How many times do you go back to God, Kathy, and say sorry for the things that you've done? Every, every minute, every time I do something wrong. Yeah, that's the way... So we come back to Jesus again right now and we bring our dirty mirror before him and we ask him, Jesus, cleanse me. If we confess our faults for him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our faults and to cleanse us from all sins. Close your eyes. I can't see inside your heart. I can't see what you were thinking before you came here. I can't see the things that you wrestle with. I cannot see the thoughts that keep on knocking on the door of your mind, plaguing your brain. I can't see them, but you can. And you know whether they're of God and you know whether they're not of God. And if they're not of God, you say, okay, this is, not, this, is, this is garbage, this thing. This thing is garbage. I need to get this out. I want you to take it and I want you to throw it out like that, just like you're throwing a stone away from you. And put all of that rubbish and say, Lord Jesus, I'm getting it out of my life and getting it away from me right now. And I'm coming to you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to fill me fresh in Jesus' name. Okay, just throw it out there. Don't worry about it. Whatever, just, if there's stuff there, get it out. Throw it out. Throw it away. Throw it away. You don't want it in your life. You don't want it in there. Jesus breaks the chains. Jesus breaks the chains. Be honest now before God. What is it? Get rid of it. 
If you have a tendency to tell lies, get rid of it. If you don't want to tell the truth in certain circumstances, get rid of it. If you can't speak the word out when you should, get rid of it. If there's thoughts in your mind that are wrong thoughts, push them out. You don't want them there. Push them out. Cooperate with the Spirit of God right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, you break every fetter. You break every chain right now. Lord, you clean, Lord Jesus, with the blood of Jesus, clean our hearts. Lord, I ask you, Father, just to clean us, to wash us clean again today, Lord Jesus. We confess our fault to you, Lord Jesus, right now. We ask you to cleanse us from the inside, to work with us, Lord Jesus, on a daily basis, every day. We do business with you, Jesus. Help us to be the light that you've called us to be. Lord, help us to walk in light, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we will shine your glory, your glory, Lord Jesus, to a lost world that's in darkness, Lord Jesus, that we would be bright, Lord Jesus, not hidden, Father, but shining out brightly to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless.